Yeah, it's, uh, all right, we'll say good morning. Let's begin. So we left off. Today's daf is paid Dalid. Today's daf is paid Dalid. We left off on paid Gimel Amud Bey. So we'll say, if you remember, again, we're trying to figure out the Mishnah told us, the Mishnah told us that Lemaisa, when you go ahead and you offer up the carbon Pesach, anything that's left over, no sir, anything else, cannot be burned on the first day Yom Tov, but rather instead is deferred to be burned until the first day of Cholamoy, the 16th of Nisan. So we're trying to figure out exactly why that is. So we left off two lines up on the bottom. Rava Amr. Rava says, this is Pei Gimel Amud Beis. Rava Amr. Rava said, Amr, the Pasuk says, Hu levado It by itself shall be done for you. Now we'll say, this Pasuk is talking about over here, Ochel Nechash. So we know that one of the interesting distinctions between Shabbos and Yom Tov is that Lemaisa on Yom Tov, you are permitted to engage in activities that are necessary for food preparation. So you can go ahead and Pei Gimel Amud Beis, last two lines. You can go ahead and you can cook and you could, you could do many, like we know, you could do many things in order to allow for food preparation. So Rava says the following. Torah says, Hula vadoya selachem. It's tafka food preparation activities that may be done for you. Hu velo machshirov. So that teaches us that only direct food preparation activities, but not preparatory activities, can be done. What does that mean? So for example, the classic example of this is, I can't sharpen my knife on Yom Tov. Meaning I could shecht on Yom Tov, but I can't go ahead and sharpen the knife because sharpening the knife is what we call a food preparatory activity. So that secondary type of activity can be done before Yom Tov and therefore may not be done on Yom Tov itself. The most contemporary application of this for us is, let's say, lighting a fire. Lighting a fire, technically speaking, is necessary for it's necessary for cooking, but because the fire could have been lit before Yom Tov, that's called machshirim. And then for the Maisa, we don't light a new flame. I mean, we take a flame from a pre-existing flame, but we don't create a flame from nothing on Yom Tov. So the Gemara says, Tap levado, we learn from the Pasuk of the word levado by itself, Tap of Peidalit, below Mila Shlobizmanam. So we'll say levado teaches us that meaning only cooking could be done on Yom Tov, but not a Mila Shlobizmanam. What's Mila Shlobizmanam? That once the eighth day passes, once the eighth day passes, whether again, it's because the father was derelict in his responsibilities or because, let's say, the child was ill. So you, uh, a mila shalobizmana cannot be done on Yom Tov. Now, I was like, why would I have thought a mila shalobizmana could be done by Yom Tov? Because Rashi's Kumar says over here, Haba'ami Kavachomer. See, well, so we actually had this earlier. What's the Kavachomer? The Kavachomer is like this. The Kavachomer is, Avoda in the Beis HaMikdash is Docha Shabbos. Is Docha Shabbos. Tsaras is Docha Avoda. Because remember, again, so you could do the avod, even though it, even though it entails malacha on Shabbos. Saras, if a coin gets saras, that precludes him from doing the avodah. And mila is docha saras. What does that mean? That if the child has saras on the mako mila, on the place of the circumcision, remember, see, under normal circumstances, also, you can't cut off your saras. But if tzaras is on the makomila, you can cut off the tzaras. Mm. So working backwards, I would have said, therefore what? If mila is docha tzaras, and tzaras is docha avoda, and avoda is docha shabbos, then if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, and therefore what? Therefore mila, even shalobizmana, is docha shabbos. I could have made that particular argument. So the Gemara says, levado teaches you that no. It's only things that are clearly have to be done on this day, which are Doha Yom Tov. But Mila Shalob is mana, which does not have to be done on this day, is not Doha Yom Tov. But also, why is this important for us? Because Mila Shalob is mana becomes the paradigmatic case of things that don't have to be done today. What's another example of something that has, doesn't have to be done today? If I've left over for my Karam Pesach, it doesn't have to be burned today. 
it can be burned the next day. Once something does not have to be done on Yom Tov, then by definition, the dispensation of Ochal Nafesh does not cover it. Ravashi, Ravashi says, Shabbason di Yom Tov, Asehu, Ve'in Ravashi Elosai turns this whole thing on. Ravashi says like this, the whole reason you wanted to say that we should burn the leftover of the carbon on, on the first day Yom Tov was why? Because the burning of the leftover of the carbon is a mitzvah asay by ishtis rofu, and the prohibition to malachas lo sasay is the prohibition. So he said that Lamai said the asay, the positive commandment, should set aside the prohibition. Ravash comes along and says, one second, Yom Tov is not just simply a prohibition. Yom Tov actually has associated with it an asay, a positive commandment, as well as a lo sasay, as well as a prohibition. Therefore, Lamai said the Gemara says, that this is why Yom Tov is stronger than the obligation to burn the carbon. Because the obligation to burn the carbon is just a positive commandment versus, again, Yom Tov, which has a positive commandment and a prohibition. Whenever you have a positive commandment and a prohibition coming up just against the positive commandment, the positive, prohibition, the positive commandment and prohibition will trump everything else, and therefore we don't burn the leftover carbon Pesach on Yom Tov itself, but instead, when do we burn the leftovers? We wait until the first day of Chalamoy, the 16th of Nisan. Says the Mishnah. So we'll say, now again, we began this discussion in the last Mishnah. If you remember, it's important to know which parts of the animal count as food. Because remember, when figuring out, when, when, when you have a chabur, when you have a part, uh, when you have a group that's on a particular Karim Pesach, you can't just, stand, I mean, it's nice to be a generous person, but you have to make sure that you have at least a kezayis of meat for every person who is a member of that Karban Pesach group. That's, that's, so therefore, in order to do that, you have to know what counts as food, what doesn't count as food. So the Gemara says like this, the Mishnah says, excuse me, Kol ha-ne'echal Whatever part of a, of, a mature, of a mature ox is edible, those are the same parts that will be edible in, in a young, in a young gidi, in a young, in a young kid. No, so what that means is, essentially, what the Gemara, Mishnah is saying, the Gemara will clarify this, but the Mishnah is saying over here that when we look at what's edible, we look at what will be edible in the full mature state of the animal. Furthermore, it says in the Mishnah, the ends of the shoulder blades, and the cartilage is also considered to be part of the edible part of the animal. Says the Gemara, Rabba Ramitnan. Rabba contrasts the two statements. On one hand, it says, Tinan, Anything that's edible in a large, mature ox will be edible, is considered food within this, the, the, literally the soft kid, which means the young kid. But obviously that which is not edible in a fully mature ox cannot be consumed in the small kid. I, what about Ema Seifa? What about the end of the mission that says, Roshay can I find the ends of the shoulder blades Vasachusim? And the cartilage, but these particular items, the end of the shoulder blades and the cartilage, these are not edible parts of a large mature ox. So I'll say we seem to be contradicting ourselves. On one hand, you're telling me that whatever is edible in the ox, it was is considered edible even in the young kid. And now you're giving me two examples of things that are not edible in a large ox. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Ela tanahi. In reality, it's machlokes tanoim. And this is what it means to say. Anything that is edible in a large cow, in a large ox, is edible in a young, a young, a young kid. 
but the, anything that is not edible within the large within the large ox is not considered to be edible within the young calf. Now, I will say I want to be clear on something. What that means is, even if right now it's technically edible as part of the kid, because it will become a part that is not edible, therefore it can't be counted as part of the consumable part of the carbon. Vyesh omrim and others say no. Af and others say, no, even, even the ends of the shoulder blades and the cartilage is considered to be an edible part of the animal. And I will say, why is that? How could they be considered an edible part of the animal if they're not really edible? Look at Rashi. First Rashi in the, in the Gemara. They can be made edible. How could they be made edible? Through intensive, long cooking. So since, again, technically speaking, it can be rendered edible, therefore, even in the young kid, it's edible as well. Rava Amar Rava says, Mahin Katoni. Mahin Rabosai means is a, is, a stylistic, is a stylistic approach of the Mishnah. <coughs> Mahin literally means what, what are they? What does that mean? Vachi Katoni, this is how the Mishnah is supposed to read. Kala ne'achal b'shara gadol b'shilka, yochal b'gidi harach b'tzli. Whatever can be eaten from the large calf through excessive cooking, through excessive cooking and boiling, can be eaten in the young kid through roasting. Umahin, what's an example of something that could only be eaten in a large ox through excessive cooking, but by a gdi can be rendered fit for consumption even just through roasting? An example of that would be the end of the shoulder blades and the cartilage. Tanya Kavase de Rabbi, a bracelet that supports Rabbi's approach. What is the right to say? Anything that can be eaten from a large ox through excessive cooking can be eaten in the young kid through roasting. What's an example of this? An example of this is the ends of the shoulder blades as well as the cartilage. What about soft sinews? We began to speak about the sinews as well. So again, you know, this is all very important because understand, you, like we said before, you need to account for every piece of, every edible part of the carbon. Because the Pashtas, you know, remember, ideally you didn't really want leftovers. Didn't really want leftovers. And the truth is you really want to make sure that every part of the carbon was utilized. So to know what can be eaten, what can't be eaten is very important. What about soft sinews? Nidonin kebasar. These are treated like meat. So the Gemara says, but one second, itmar. Let's analyze this for just a moment. Gidin shesof and lahak shos. will say, if you have sinews that ultimately will harden. So I guess there are certain things. And remember, carbon Pesach was only brought from an animal that was within its first year of life. Which means, that what the Gemara, so what the Gemara is always struggling with over here is there are certain parts of that animal now that are soft or that are edible, like we saw with the cartilage and the ends of the shoulder blades, that later on will not be edible. So the shayla is, how do you deal with that? Do we look, well, we'll see this later on more explicitly, but do we count it as food based on what it is right now, or do we look what it's going to become? So the Gemara says, for example, you could have sinews that right now may be soft, but soft on the hakshos. They're going to get hard. They're going to get hard. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, nimnin alin bepesach. Rabbi Yochanan says that, no, they count as food, and literally you could assign someone that portion on Pesach. Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says, Pesach. No, they don't, you can't, Nimnala means you can't be counted on. There's another way of saying, you can't assign that portion to someone on Pesach. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says that you could assign the soft sinews that will later on turn hard to someone for a portion on Pesach. Why? Basar, 
Basar Hashta We look at what it is now. We look at what it is now. Right now, is it edible? The answer is yes. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? Therefore, it's food. Therefore, you're going to sign somewhere. Shlag says, no. We, we can't assign that portion to someone. Why? Basar Besof Azlinon. Because ultimately, we look at what it's going to become. So the one says, Ace Fairy Shlakish Rabbi Yochanan, Rish Lakish raises a cash against Rabbi Yochanan. Call Hanecha Besharagodl Yochob Gdiharach. So what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says, anything that could be eaten as part of a large ox could also be eaten in the young kid. Umahin, what's an example of this? Rashe Knafayim Vasachusim, the end of the shoulder blades, and cartilage. Honey in. So apparently, what the Mishnah is saying is these things can be eaten. Avalgidin Shesofan Lahakshos Lo. But we can infer from the Mishnah that what? That sinews that will become hard may not be consumed. And therefore, what do you see from here? That when determining if a particular part of the animal is considered to be food or not, what do we do, Rabbi We don't simply look at what is now. We look rather at what it will become. So Amrlei, Rabbi Yochanan responds, Tana honey, v'huadin lahanach. So Rabbi Yochanan responds, no, no, no. What the Mishnah means to say is it includes the end of the shoulder blades and the cartilage, and also sinews that ultimately will become hard. Meaning, so what Rabbi Yochanan is saying is that Lamaisa, you know, the Mishnah is not going to list every single part of the animal that ultimately is edible, but once it says the shoulder blades and the cartilage, which are things that can be, that, that ultimately are edible now, then Lamaisa, again, that indicates that, that it applies to the Gidin as well. So the Gemara says, Honey, my timer, why is it that you could go ahead and count the ends of the shoulder blades, as well as the cartilage as food, because like we said before, I will say they can be rendered fit for consumption through cooking. These gidin, even once they harden, can also be rendered fit for consumption through cooking. So I'll say, I'll say to Rabbi Abin the following. I'll say to Rabbi the following. When you come before Rabbi Abo, Rami Lay, asking the following question. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say that sinews that are going to get hard and therefore unedible could still be counted, inedible, could still be counted as food for Karan Pesach? Alma, Basar Hashta Azlinon. What do we see from there? That if Rabbi Yochanan indeed holds that, that Rabbi Yochanan determines the status of any particular item based on its present circumstances. I but we learned but but yet the following question. Or Harosh shall Egel Harach. The literally the hide, the hide of the head of a young calf, Mahu Shiyitame. Is it capable of becoming Tame? Now both say here here's the issue. Apparently, apparently in a young calf, the hide of the head is soft enough that it can be eaten. So what the question is like this, but yet yeah, we know that as the calf gets older, that hide hardens and it's no longer edible. So the shayla is now you shek the calf, you have the hide of the head, it's soft, it's edible. Is that receptive to Tumas Ochlin? Foods could become tummy. Is that receptive to Tumas Ochlin? Or do we say what? Or do we say that really since it's not going to be ochel down the road, therefore the Maisa, it's not receptive to Tumas Ochlin. So Rish Lakish asked this question Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan said, and Rabbi Yochanan says, it doesn't become Tame. What do you see from there? Alma, Basr, Sofaz, Linan. So Rabbi say, what do you see from that? You see that, Lemaisa? Rabbi Yochanan does not look at the present circumstance of the individual, but Rabbi Yochanan does look at what the item will become. Amar 
Amalasi, he responded, Whoever said this to you literally did not properly grind his flour. That will say that was a major rabbinic insult, um, <laughs> which, which means that you don't think about what you say before you say it. Just like, you know, again, somebody wasn't careful when they ground, the, when they ground their flour, the flour would come out pieces. So to say that you, you didn't really think about, you're, you're not really careful with what you're relaying, you didn't really ground your flour properly. Because Rabbi Yochanan retracted this position to Reish Lakish. He said, don't, don't literally, don't challenge me over this. Because I recognize that the position that I said before was a das yochid, was a minority approach. So in other words, what the Gemara was saying over here is, yes, Rabbi Yochanan had originally said that we look at the future status of a particular individual, but then he retracted that particular stance and instead adopted his current stance, that we look at the current, we look at the current matzah, the current, the current status of a particular item in terms of determining its halachic status. So Rabosai, so now we have, so this is a fundamental about How do we pass? Can me? Rabosai, this is actually very important. This is very important. Legabe, legabe carbon pesach. So first of all, first of all, in terms of the shor the way we paskin is in the first part is anything that is edible in a large mature calf, even through excessive boiling, because you have to cook it a lot, is considered to be edible in, in a young kid. That's part number one. That's how we paskin. Number two, we actually paskin like Reish Lakish, who says, who says, who says that Gidin Shesof and Lahakshos, that if something is edible now, but it's going to become inedible, we pass like Reish Lakish that that is not counted as a, as a piece of meat, as a part of the, car, as a part of the carbon, that's consumable. So on one hand, again, we say that as long as an object can be rendered edible, even through excessive cooking, it's considered food. On the other hand, we don't just look at the parts of the animal for what they are now. In terms of assessing whether or not they're part of the current Pesach, we look at what they will become as well. Says the Mishnah, Somebody breaks a bone in a kosher and a tar current Pesach. Well, so we, are, this, we, we spoke about breaking bones yesterday. Torah tells us that when you eat the current Pesach, you may not break a bone. You may not break a bone. So let's say you went ahead and you broke a bone. So what's that lacha? You get 40 lashes. You violated the law. Okay. Aval, but if you leave over part of the carbon, meaning, no, sir, you leave over part of you don't finish the current Pesach, or or you break the bone of a current Pesach that's Tame, so in both in these, in these cases, two and three over here in the Mishnah, so you also violated something. You left over, you're not allowed really to, left, to leave over. Or you, right, but again, we'll see why you don't get Malchus for that. Or if you break a bone, if you break a bone in a carbon that's tummy, carbon based that's tummy, you also don't get Malchus. Says the Gemara Bishlamamosir I understand why if you leave over some of the carbon Pesach that you're not Chayiv Malchus, why? Disanyo, lo so siru mimenu ad boker, mimenu ad boker. Because what does the Torah say? You may not leave over from it until the morning, and that which is left over from it until the morning shall be burnt in the fire. So Rabbi Huda says like this, the way the Torah phrases this prohibition is, it's a negative statement followed by a positive statement. Whenever a negative statement is followed by a positive statement, it's telling you that it's prohibited, but what? But if you violate it, you will not get Malchus, you won't get Lashes. That's Rabbi Huda's position. Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yaakov says, no, that's not right. So, we'll say, Rabbi Yaakov says it's a much more fundamental issue. 
We'll say, when do you get Malchus? When you violate a prohibition that is violated through an active prohibition. But if you violated something through passivity, it's usr, it's an Avera, but you don't get Malchus for that. You don't get Malchus for that. So the Gemara says, but how do I know that if I break the bone of a Karan Pesach, that's telling me that I don't get Malchus? The Amar Krav, because the Pasuk says, the etzem lo tishperu bo. You may not break a bone in it. Bo, because of a love apostle. Bo comes to teach me. In it, meaning I'm only obligated for breaking a bone in a kosher Pesach, but not obligated for breaking a bone in a Apostle Pesach. Rabbi Omer Rabbi says, You shall eat the Karan Pesach in one home. And you may not break a bone. So the Rebbe notes the juxtaposition between these two concepts and says, Whatever is fit for consumption, that's subject to the laws of Shiras Etzem. But ultimately, anything that's not permitted for consumption is not subject to the prohibition of breaking the bone. I will say, so what we have over here essentially are, are two different opinions. Are two different opinions. I mean, everybody's agreeing that you're not chayev malchus for breaking a bone. Or you're not. You're not violation of law for breaking a bone of a carbon pesach that's tummy. The shail is how do we know that? So the first opinion said because you're only chayev for breaking a bone in a carbon pesach that is kosher. Bo etzem sishvuru bo. Bo means only a carbon that's kosher. The second opinion says same idea. I agree. You're also not obligated for breaking a bone in a carbon pesach that's that's possible. But why? Because the Torah says only a Karan Pesach that's fit for consumption. That's right. Lachila is subject to the prohibition of breaking the bone. It's not subject, not right. Lachila is not subject to the prohibition. So one says that the re- so again, so therefore, when I come to my case over here of breaking a bone in a Karan Pesach, that's Tomei. So both will agree that I'm not Chayev for that. One will say because it's not right. Lachila, I can't consume it. And others will say because it's not a carbon kosher. So the Gemara says, my Benayu, is there some kind of practical difference between these two opinions? I'm Rabbi Yirmiya, yes, Rabbi Yirmiya says the following, Pesach You know the practical differences? But so we already learned extensively that the majority of the Jewish people are Tameh. So what do we do? We go ahead, everybody brings a carbon Pesach in a state of Tumah. With the laws of Tumah are, are, are set aside, not set aside, but you know, are, are, are set aside, and we bring the carbon Pesach with Tumah. So the says, Laman, the Amar Kasher, according to the who says, that the only time a carbon Pesach is subject to the laws or to the prohibition of breaking a bone is when it's kosher. Ha-pasle. The truth is, Rabbi said, this is a carbon puzzle. This is a carbon that's being brought in a state of Tumah. Because remember, how do we paskin? We paskin that, that Tumah is Dechuya B'tzibor, not Huchra B'tzibor. Therefore, again, this carbon is really puzzle. But what? There's a special dispensation that says that it's acceptable. Laman da'ama roi l'achila. But according to Mandam, who says that any carbon that is Ra'il Achila subject to the prohibition of breaking the bone, then what? Hanami Ra'il Achilahu. This carbon, in fact, is Ra'il Achila. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, no. Ki hai gavna dukoli alma in ba mishum shvira setsem. Everyone agrees, Rav Osai, that Lemaisa, in this kind of circumstance, everyone agrees that the carbon Pesach is not subject to the prohibition of breaking the bone. Why? The Rebbe, because Rebbe is coming to give a kula. So the Gemara says, Rather says the Gemara, here's the nafkamina between the two opinions. If let's say the carbon was permitted, had a time at which it was consumable, and now what? And now it became possible. 
Leman Domer, so we'll say, so for example, the simplest example of that is what? Is the Karim Pesach the next morning, right? Well, let's say again, let's say again, now comes the next morning of Pesach, or comes Chatzos, you can no longer eat the carbon, but it had a time in which it was permitted. So now that it's prohibited, is it still subject to the laws of breaking the bones? So the Gemara says, Leman Domer Kasher HaKasher so according to Mandarin, who says that in order for the carbon to be subject to the laws of breaking the bone, it had to have been kosher. This was a kosher carbon. <coughs> but according to Mandarin, who says that it has to be fit for consumption, this carbon is not fit for consumption. Abai, Yom Rabai says no. Abayi says that everyone agree, would agree in this type of circumstance, which means what, what's this type of circumstance where the carbon was kosher, but now that it's possible, that now at this point in time that it's possible, it is not subject to the prohibition of breaking the bones. My time, or what's the reason? Because right now the carbon is possible. Carbon is possible. Excuse me. I'm sorry. My time. Ella, says, listen to this interesting case. What's the nafkamina? The nafkamina is where you break the bone while it's still there. Remember, Rabbi said, Karim Pesach is offered on the 14th, but yet what? You can't eat it until the 15th. So the shayla is, is there a prohibition to break the bones on Erev Pesach, on the 14th, before Pesach starts? Leman da'amar kosher. So according to Antama, who says that any carbon that is kosher is subject to the laws of shviras, etzma, breaking the bone, ha-kosherhu, this is a kosher carbon. But according to Mandarim, who says that the iser shviras, etzma, only applies to something that is fit for consumption, then what? Hashta lav bar achilahu. This carbon right now is what the both say? Not fit for consumption. Meisve, Sigmar raises a kasha. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, nimnin al moach sheberosh, Rebbe says that, again, when deciding which portions of the animals are, are, are fit for consumption, you can give someone a portion of moach shavarosh, literally the marrow of the head. That guy drew the short straw. Right? So he gave him the marrow of the head. And you can't, but however, you can't go ahead and, and give out the portion of the marrow on the thigh bone. So the Gemara says, why is that? Listen to this. Apparently, you can extract the marrow of the head through the nostrils of the animal. So you could scrape it out. You could, I'm kidding. Uh, and you, could, you, you could scrape it out from there without what? Without having to break anything. So because the marrow is accessible, you could do it. However, 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 I'm sorry. Now the assumption over here, therefore, is what? Why can't you use the marrow of the thigh bone? Because the pastures, in order to get it, you have to break the bone. Now what does that show you? And if you would think that the breaking of the, th- that the, breaking of the bone while it's still day is permitted, then... Then if that's the case, then breaking the bone on Erev Yom Tov is okay because the animal is not yet fit for consumption, then what? Break the bone, get the marrow, and let someone use it as their portion of the animal. We said to you, but using that logic, You know what? I could, Rabbi, I could say, I could give you, a, give you a different argument. Truth is, you should be able to go ahead and access that marrow at night as well. What can you do? Take a, a gumarta literally is an ember, like an ember or a coal. Vinechus ale, put it on top of the bone. 
v'nikla v'nafka l'moachdi dei v'nimni alei. The hatanya. Also, listen to this because so Rabbi gives an interesting, interesting suggestion. Well, said the prohibition is to go ahead and break a bone. But let's say if I want to access the marrow, technically speaking, how I could do it, I could burn a hole through the bone. Burn a hole through the bone and get the marrow like that. Because after all, because after all, the Bryce says that if you burn through a bone in order to get the marrow, or you go ahead and you cut, you cut through sinews, that is not considered to be a violation of breaking the bone of the current Pesach. Rather, what do you have to say? Abai Amar Mishum Paka. Abai says that the truth is, we're concerned, we're actually concerned about allowing you to go ahead and use the marrow within the bone. Why? Out of a concern that even if you burn through the bone, we're concerned that you may end up cracking the bone. Because again, once you're burning through the bone, it's easy to think that you may come to crack it, and therefore, there, and that would be a prohibition. Therefore, Abai says, that's why we don't let you use the marrow of the thigh bone for part of your carbon pesa. We know you could access it, access it, but we're concerned that in doing that, you may end up cracking the bone. Rava Amr Rava says, you know why you can't burn through it? Mishum hefset kadshim, tikamafsid lebiadayim, dilma achal And Rava says, what we're concerned is if we allow you to burn through the bone, you may end up what? You may end up not just burning the bone, but what? Burning part of the marrow also, in which case you are actively destroying parts of the sacrificial item. And therefore, me yom, we don't want you to do this during the day as well. And we don't want you doing this during the day, lest you come to do it at night. Raf Papa, Raf Papa says no. Raf Papa says, not true. In all of these cases above, in these cases above, there is a concern that there is a concern of shviras etzem. My timer. What's the reason? Because in the evening, all of these items will be fit for consumption. So, for example, Rav Papa will say that yes, of course, the carbon pesach even during the day on the fourteenth is still going to be subject to the prohibition of breaking the bone. Why? Because we don't just look at what the animal is right now; we look at what it will become as well, and it will become cons- it will become edible that night. So, what is the machlokes? The machlokes is in the following case. We'll say we know that if a carbon pesach leaves the walls of Yerushalayim, the carbon is puzzle. The carbon is puzzle. What happens, however, if only part of the limb of the animal? extends outside of the walls of the Beis HaMikdash. So half a leg extends out. Half a leg extends out. So say, so listen to this. Man to Amar Kasher, so we'll say, now here's what we know. We know it's only the part that extends out that is, that is inedible. The rest of the, let's say it's the leg that sticks out, the rest of the leg is edible. So the Gemara says, Man to Amar Kasher, so the one who says that in order to be subject to the laws of Shiras, at the Karman has to be Kasher, HaKasher, the carbon itself is still Kasher. And the mandarin says it has to be fit for consumption. This part that extended out is what Rabosai is not fit for consumption. So what they're asking over here is would the part that extended outside of the walls of the Beis Hamikdash or the walls of Yishlam be subject to the laws of So the Gemara says, Kid after all we learn, Rabbi Shobano Shabi Yochanan ben Baroka Omer. Rabbi Yochanan Shabi Yochanan ben Baroka said, Efer Shatz Mikdasal Vishavro. If you have part of a limb of an animal that extended, of a carbon pesach that extended out of Yerushalayim, and you broke it. So what did you do? You cut off the leg. You cut off the leg right where it extended out. Rabbi, Yochanan, Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel says, Ein bo mishum shiras etzem. 
you have not, there's no violation of breaking the bone. Rav Sheshe sprayed, Rav Idi, Rav Sheshe sprayed, Rav Idi says, Kol ki agavna, the chuli alma in ba mishum shvira sa'atzem, the high aver pasalhu. So it comes on Rav Sheshe and says, You're right, everybody agrees in this case that Lamaisa, if you broke the bone from right, Rabbosa, right where the leg extended out of your side, everybody agrees there's no shvira sa'atzem there. Why? Because that particular limb, that part of the limb is pasal. Elo shvira sa'atzem beno ikabinayu. Rather, what's the kasha bosai? What happens if you broke the bone of an animal while it was still raw? You didn't cook it yet. Although it was still raw. 14th. Mando Amar Kasher HaKashu. So the Mando Amar says that any carbon that's kasher is subject to the laws of Shiras Etzem. This carbon is kasher. Umando Amar Roi La'achila. The Mando Amar who says that it's Roi La'achila. Hashta Eino Roi La'achila. Right now, it's not fit for consumption. Ranachem by Yitzchak. Ranachem by Yitzchak says no. Kol Ki Aigavna Yesh Bo Mishum Shiras Etzem. Everyone agrees that when the carbon is raw, it is still subject to the laws of breaking the bone. Why? My time, because it will be fit for consumption. Because ultimately, when you roast it, it will be good. Rather, again, what's the machlokas? The machlokas over here is dealing with the, the fat of the tail of a lamb. The fat of the, or the fatty tail of a lamb. So the Gemara says, So the Shaila is now that, 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 that tail apparently has a bone in it. So the shayla is if you break the bone, if you break the bone, are you chayiv? So the Ma'adamu says that any time the carbon is kosher, you're, that's subject to the laws of breaking the bone. So this carbon is kosher. But according to Ma'adamu, says you're only chayiv for breaking the bone on a part of the animal that's roi l'achila. Hai eno roi l'achila. This fatty tail is not roi l'achila. Why? Because the fats are burned on the Mizbeach and not consumed by any individual. Ravashi Yom Ravashi says, Ravashi says, no, everyone agrees that in this kind of case, meaning the fatty tail, if you break the bone, you're not chayiv. Why? Because this is not fit for consumption at all. Rather, what's the machlokas? The machlokas is in a case of a limb that does not have a kezayis of meat on it. So a bone that doesn't have a kezayis of meat. So current to says that you're for breaking the bone of a carbon that's kosher. This carbon is kosher, and therefore you're chai for breaking the bone. But according to Mandarum, who says that it has to be fit for consumption, we're both saying, in order for a part of the carbon to be fit for consumption, the bone has to have a kezayis of meat. This one doesn't have a kezayis of meat, and therefore what? Therefore, you should not be high for breaking the bone. Ravina Ravina says, no. Ravina says, no, even in this kind of case, you are not high for breaking the bone. Why? Because in order to be high for breaking the bone in any particular place, it has to have a kezayis of meat, and this bone doesn't have it. Ella, ever she'in alav kezayis basar b'makum zeh, v'yishlav kezayis basar b'makum acher ika b'nayif. So what's the machlokas case? I will say a case where you have a bone, and in the place where you broke the bone, there was not a kezayis of meat, but on another part of the bone, there was a kezayis of meat. Laman do'amer kasher ha-kasheru. According to Mandarum, it says that in order for to be chayiv on bone breakage, the covenant has to be kosher. This covenant is kosher. But according to Mandarum, who says that it has to be in order to be chayiv for breaking the bone, you require ultimately what? You require kezayis of basar in the place where the breakage is as well. All right, the we'll have to we'll have to stop over here for today.
a lot to do for tomorrow, Mir Hashem. But again, j- just, to, just to leave you, just to summarize this. So what we have over here is the following. Interestingly enough, everyone is agreeing that Lemaisa, that Lemaisa, if you go ahead and you break the bone, you break the bone of a carbon that's tame, that's your potter for that. The only shayla is where you're learning it out from. So the two different drushas. One drusha says, because you're only chayiv for breaking the bone of a carbon that's edible. And the other mandarma says, it's only chayiv for breaking the bone of a carbon that is kosher. So all the Gemara is saying is, although it sounds like they're saying the same things in reality, as we see from this entire Amid, there are many, many nafkaminas, many practical differences between those two particular opinions. And Mir Hashem will resolve the machlokas tomorrow. Pretty good call. Yeah, but you got it, but you